I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharmaram podcast for June 15th, 2012, and today we address the issue of what is hardcore Jodo Shinshu practice. We've been, um, you know, we've been having more and more difficulty meeting to record podcasts, and uh, this this last um, bunch, uh, a continuing question has come up uh, of, and you know, I think we've asked it before, so here's, the, the big question is, what is hardcore Shin Buddhist practice? Right? And I mean, we could ask the question in a different way and say, well, what is Shin practice? What do Shin Buddhists do? What should they do? Right? Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways uh, to ask this question. And I think it's, it's interesting. I feel like we're getting to the heart of something here. Right? And we yeah, keep threatening yeah, yeah. to talk about it. Um, and now we're actually going to try. And I feel like we've talked about Shin practice in the past, right, but now right. I can't think of when we might have done that, and so maybe we haven't, because it's a really, it's a really difficult... Well, I don't think we talked about it in this way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I think... This is, this is new stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're on the edge of something, and it could be amazing, and it could be a complete letdown, <laughs> uh, but we're going to try. Uh, and just that, you know, Scott just said it on the spur of the moment, yeah, man, that's sh- hardcore Shin practice. And I don't even remember what I was talking about. Right. And... It's like, well, what would that be? Yeah. And I think one thing that I think of that, you know, someone might think would be the answer is like, oh, chanting a lot. Right. right? right. And so like at my temple, once a month we chant Amida Kyo, the um, shorter, smaller Amida Sutra, um, Pure Land Sutra. And, and how long does that take you to chant the whole like thing? 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in BCA chanting time, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think sometimes we think, wow, that would be hardcore. It would right. be hardcore to sit there and chant for two hours. Well, there's the other example that I thought of of um, uh, uh, Reverend uh, Gibbs up in Portland has done, um, I always forget how, what. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like a constant Nembutsu. The constant Nembutsu overnight where he and his community get together and they, they continually chant the Nembutsu for a whole evening or, or mm-hmm. you know, throughout the, the night. Um, I'm not quite sure how long, but presumably, you know, I think it was until dawn. Right, so yeah. a significant chunk of hours, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that that seems like, you know, if you're staying up all night doing this chanting, that must be a hardcore, serious, mm-hmm. like really committed to the, the practice. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't seem like, those don't seem like the right answers to this question of what uh, what would be hardcore Shin practice. You know, and, and I think part of the issue is that other kinds of Buddhism would seem to have a much easier time answering this. Oh, you want hardcore Zazen? week-long retreat, month-long yeah. retreat, uh, become a monk and, you know, go and do it for a year, right? Or maybe some kind of initiation, uh, some kind of uh, tantric ritual. Uh, how about um, bowing 500 times, 1,000 times? Or that, that guy in the, the Chinese uh, Chan tradition who, uh, he's, the, he's the abbot of the... Um, Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. Mm. Uh, oh. He did the um, bowing uh, and walking across the country. No, he did it up just up the state of Cal- uh, just up California, um, but from like downtown Los Angeles to I think Ukiah, where the city of ten thousand Buddhists is. He uh, you know took 
two steps and then bowed mm-hmm. or three steps and then bowed like the mm-hmm. whole way it took him months or whatever and right, right. you know that's that's some right. serious that hardcore right. yeah. like this is yeah, i'm yeah. so committed to what i'm doing that you know it's something special and something different and something outside of the ordinary right it's something that's not it's not just going to temple on sunday or it's not just you know i don't know but studying it's, or right, something. right 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 yeah so those um, seem like um, answers that we might be tr- we might be trying to find uh, an answer like that within Shin somewhere right, for Shin Buddhism, but I don't think I don't know I don't think feel we right. have that yeah. But yeah. it also I think it points to I think you started off by saying there's lots of different ways to think about this question or ask the question, um, and I think it gets to that fundamental question of what does Shin Buddhists do? Mm-hmm. What is Shin practice? And we talked about this in our last episode about you know sort of Jodo Shinshu 101. It's this question of you know. In, in other, I feel like in other traditions, there's an, a very easy answer. You know, what's your practice? Oh, I meditate. Done. You know, no problem. But, you know, or in Shinsana, right. right? I do this kind of meditation right. or, or that kind of right. zazen or something. Right. But in Jodo Shinshu, it's like, well, we don't practice. Mm-hmm. Maybe what? we do. There's, right. this, this, there's this complicatedness about what. And it's all, you could also say instead of what's hardcore practice, what's real practice, right? There's this also there's this sense that like funerals or going to church on Sunday is not real practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That there's some other practice that we're not doing that's the real thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that this this other ritual stuff is just ass, just ritual. It's not the the real mm-hmm. practice. So there, but you know, but then when you run up into that that doctrinal point of self-power, other power, and, you know, then you get into that whole other morass of what we're supposed to be doing. So it's, it's deep, man. Mm-hmm. I think there, there is one answer that seems to be another possible answer is, oh, we recite the Nembutsu. Right? And, and that's important that, you know, this is Pure Land Buddhism. So if you could point to one practice, it would be saying the name, reciting the Nembutsu, Namo Amida Butsu. Right, uh, I take refuge in Amida Buddha, or the Buddha of uh, immeasurable li- life and inconceivable light. Uh, but even that's not really the answer, <laughs> right. right? And that's a question. I mean, that's a doctrinal question. Yeah. Because um, in Shinran's Kyogyo Shinsho, in chapter two, the practice chapter, he opens up by saying, uh, the great practice is saying uh, the name. Uh, I take refuge in the um, Buddha whose light shines, uh, inconceivable light shines throughout the ten directions. Right, and yet um, some scholars, I think many Jodo Shinshu people say, but that's not our practice. That's great practice. Yeah. That's what the Buddhas say. That that actually to to simplify Jodo Shinshu into oh just reciting the name is possibly a mistake. Not that we don't recite the name, but that's not the practice that we're supposed to do. And Shinran himself in Tani Sho is quoted as saying, uh, the Nembutsu is not a practice. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that that's what we were supposed to be doing, is saying the name. Well, yeah, you're supposed to be saying it, but that's not the practice, right? That it gets reinterpreted again. And so we get this thing with Shinran of, of uh, seeming to reject the earlier tradition, and yet he's still doing the same things, but with different motivation maybe, or different understanding that the meaning has um, shifted somehow. Uh, and so, uh, so I would hold up Nembutsu as an important part of what Shin Buddhists do, mm. but not necessarily as practice. So, so even the question of what is practice, what do you mean by that, uh, is a big question, I think, for Shinshu too, that he, Shinran has almost gone beyond practice, maybe, in a way, uh, but maybe we're going a little too far with that. Let's talk about some of the things that Shin Buddhists do, though. Yeah, that, yeah. That actually, they do do. And I have one temple stuff. <laughs> 
right? That one thing you could a look category at. category of stuff. Right. One thing you could look at is what happens at every day um, in an everyday BCA temple, right, is one thing that Jodo Shinshu Buddhists do. Some of them come and help clean certain mm-hmm. times, uh, bazaar, uh, show up on Sunday, uh, you know, all the volunteer work that happens at a temple or even just going, right? Those could be viewed as uh, one aspect of what Shin Buddhists do. Right, right. That would also include incense offering, Oshoko, yeah, yeah. right? Going up and offering incense. And um, to me, like, all that is, is, I don't know, go on. I got a, so, I got a thought, but right. I'm going to hold on to it. Um, it's not necessary. It's not a requirement, I don't think. I don't think Shinran ever said you, that's the, one of the questions is, what's required of the practicer? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. so I don't think any of that stuff is required, but I don't think it's rejected either. Right? And that just traditionally... The temple has been the locus of religious life for many. I many think it should be required. <laughs> yeah. So that's no, a no, good no. question. We're going to get to that. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I don't. No, I don't, I don't think it should be required. But I think there's something valuable in you mm-hmm. know doing the dishes as practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but anyway, that's a whole other. Uh, and so uh, that includes stuff like sutra chanting, oshoko, like I mentioned, um, listening to dharma talks is a key uh, aspect of that. Uh, maybe more hardcore would be to go on a retreat. Or you know, go to a seminar, but I've I've been to some of our seminars. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty hardcore. How so? Well, it's you know, you gotta really yeah. like work at staying awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was mean. I'm hardcore. sorry. Hardcore, boring. <laughs> you mean? No, I can't believe it. Sometimes when I get asked to speak at a place for a seminar, yeah, like yeah. you want me to talk for three, four hours? Wow, really? That's crazy. That's yeah, hardcore. Yeah, I've done that. Huh. But is that really what we should be doing? Should yeah. people be listening to me talk? Um, I would think that... Hey, people ret- listening to us talk now, shh. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that the retreat aspect would hopefully have more of the dojo aspect. The dojo is this kind of historical thing of where um, uh, Shin Buddhists got together and discussed life issues yeah. from a Shinshu perspective, right? And that ideally I would hope that this would be more... Um, Isn't that kind of like the like the um, the uh, I haven't been so I don't know but the techno Buddha thing that they do here, have you been to that? I was only at the first one. I don't uh-huh. know. If, um, oh, maybe it should be part of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I haven't been to the techno Buddhas. I really have no idea. Um, I just they have a lot of life stuff like they yeah, stuff, yeah, like, yeah. You know, accounting, like trying to help, right. You know, for like, like young they, adults. They do and, like some you know explicitly Buddhist stuff, and they have the you know sort of chanting and, and ritual aspects to it, but. You know, I know that they also, you know, talk about life and dating and all that other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that kind of seems to be pointing at what you're talking about. But mm-hmm, I don't know how intentional that is or if it's just or how successful it is for that matter. I mean, you know, people I've, I've, who've, who've told me about it have, you know, really liked it and really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, I only went to the first one and I was only there for part of it. So I'm not sure where they get to, but that'd be interesting. Yeah. Like and whether it meets with Buddhism or not, is yeah. fine. Um well, another thing that I think Shin Buddhists, many Shin Buddhists do is learn, Yeah. right? Studying, learning, uh, deepening your understanding of the Dharma. And that isn't a requirement. Again, you don't have to know a lot about Buddhism. That gets you nowhere. Yeah, and see, in our last episode, I made some comment about how it seems to me like Shin Buddhism sort of, or a lot of different kinds of Buddhisms, really, uh, take for granted things like the Eightfold Noble Path. You know, like one of the things is people will ask us, you know, how do you follow the Eightfold Path? And and I feel like, to me, learning is part of the Eightfold Path. Mm-hmm. Like it's embedded in there. Because part of the Eightfold Noble Path is right understanding, right view. Mm-hmm. 
how do you come to have the right view without doing any kind of learning, without doing any kind of self-reflection? It almost seems to me like a lot of what we do, you know, it's it, this this stuff is infused within what we do. It's just not as explicit as you might think, and you can almost take it for granted, right? To me, I think the learning is an important part of being a Buddhist, mm -hmm. you know, and that in and of itself is a practice. But we don't necessarily always call it that. It's just sort of like this chore. And I, I don't know. I'm, this is a new idea for me. So mm -hmm. I'm, I might be off base. But I think I personally think that um, deepening, maybe learning isn't the right word, deepening our understanding of the Dharma is part of the life of Jodo Shinshu. And that could be reading, studying. It could be just listening to Dharma talks and reflecting, right? It could be anything. Right, and so I don't think that I would want to restrict it to any any one thing. But mm. I, I don't think that Jodo Shinshu is anti-intellectual. Uh, I don't think, but it's not purely intellectual for sure, yeah, because yeah. it has a tradition of uh, non-intellectual, you know, uh, possibly illiterate uh, or you know, like not studying people, not ordained people who get it. Right, the the Myokonin, for example, uh, and that you know they they have an religious experience without necessarily book learning or intellectualizing. Uh, intellectualizing actually can get out get in the way. There's um, you know, that's not necessarily the best way to learn to study the Dharma, right? Mm -hmm. And yet it's it's a it, it's it's not a bad thing either. I think that studying the Dharma is a good studying and learning is is big. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so the question of, of um, listening to the Dharma, listening to Dharma talks, hearing the Dharma, you've, you're talking about hearing, that you hear that a lot as, maybe even as like an official Jodo Shinshu practice. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard it so much that it seems like it, it's, it's almost, I don't, I don't know if it's a, an official orthodox doctrinal point or not, but it, it seems very much as if it's been repeated so often in, uh, you know, maybe study groups or whatnot that it's become de facto official, mm -hmm. um, this idea that part of the, what Jodo Shinshu Buddhists do is hear the Dharma, mm -hmm. that hearing the Dharma is you know, a fundamental aspect of the Jodo Shinshu path, um, which is fine. I think that's mm -hmm. a great thing. But I, you know, again, it's like, well, what does that mean? Right. You know, it's, it's, you know, when we, I, I brought this up at first because you said that you, know, you listen to Dharma talks. And I was like, oh, hearing the Dharma. But yeah. wait a minute, is hearing the Dharma the same thing as listening to a Dharma talk? Right, right. Good question. Uh, are those Good the point. same? Is that is that right. is that how you hear the Dharma by listening to a minister talk about it? Or you could go deeper and say, well, what is the Dharma? Mm -hmm. Right. What is the Dharma? And you is know, it the, just the teachings yeah. and just learning, or right. is it something deeper, and right. bigger, the truth? Right. And then is is hearing just a matter of actually physically hearing something with your ears, or can you is reading? the Dharma part of hearing the Dharma or, you know, seeing it in a film or experiencing it in some non oral kind of way. What does that mean? You know, like, and, and, and again, I think the, the biggest, most fundamental question there is what is the Dharma and do mm -hmm. we restrict the Dharma quote unquote to, you know, fundamental Jodo Shinshu doctrinal positions, orthodox positions, right, right, right. or I, is the, yeah. is the Dharma something bigger in Buddhism or bigger that's beyond Buddhism, right? Like, mm -hmm. See, I think it's been, I think, like, I was just thinking, it, Nishihon Ganji, on the grounds, there's a thing called the Monpo Kaikan, which is, Kaikan is like hall, so it has, it's like a, a kind of like a hotel in a way, but there's also um, uh, exhibition hall and, and you know, uh, places where you can listen to Dharma talks and everything. Monpo is hearing the Dharma. So they have a building called the Hearing the <laughs> Dharma Hall, right? right? And so it's obviously very important. Um, 
I think that institutionally it has come to be equated with listening to Dharma talks, and I think in a way that buys into the institution. Yeah. And this is something we can be critical of. And that limiting hearing the Dharma to listening to Dharma talks or Dharma messages is a mistake. It's part of it. It's part of my job, right, to give Dharma talks, right? And, um, but I, don't, I can't believe that that's all that it is. And right. I can't believe that ministers get paid to talk so much, right? And they talk <laughs> longer in Japan than they do here. Like here, a 30-minute message is long. In Japan, I think you're guaranteed at least an hour or two. For, for like a regular Dharma message. And to me, that's just too much sometimes. It shouldn't be this one-way thing of the ministers, the expert, and talks, 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 and everyone has to just listen, 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 and maybe afterwards reflect. That I think there's room in the model, the dojo is the, 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 the example mm-hmm. of more discussion, right? A more interactive, not so much top-down, but more egalitarian uh, way to uh, engage in this process of hearing the Dharma. And I think maybe instead of hearing the Dharma, maybe we should say experiencing the Dharma. Ooh, that's good. Coming yeah. into contact. Yeah. That, Encountering the Dharma. Yeah. Experiencing yeah, 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 yeah. the Dharma. Right? Um, that that's more what it's about. And one way to do that is to learn and then put it into practice. Right, right, right. right? But to say that just listening to Dharma talks is our practice, I think, uh, is That would be horrible. Yeah. That would be horrible. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it's, it's an important part, and I think it should be a practice, but to limit... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, I you know it's funny because Jodo uh, Shinshu and and Zen and Nichiren uh, Shu in Japan all came out of the same historical period, and they're all um, in Japan in the Kamakura era, and they're all uh, conveniently labeled the single practice schools, right? Because mm-hmm. there's this one practice they do, you know, in Zen you sit, and Nichiren you chant the Lotus Sutra. Um, I, I think the idea of a single practice is horrible. Like to limit <laughs> to limit your your options in a community to one practice right, right, just right. seems like, you know, it, it's got to be more than that. And I don't, you know, and I don't, and I think that it's, it's probably it's it's wrong anyway as academically to label these schools a single practice. You know, that's mm-hmm. a whole other debate. Um, but you know, just in terms of what we do as Shin Buddhists in in the, in the states, it's like you know. There's got to be more than just one thing, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if, if Jodo Shinshu just became listening to Dharma talks, like you were saying, like, oh, my God, that's just sounds so boring. And there's no there's no uh, room for individual experiencing of the Dharma. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then it just becomes this thing that you do when you sit there and you listen. Right. right, right. But there's got to be more than that. Right. Yeah. I think that um, listening to Dharma talks is part of the and I think we have to be really careful when we use the word practice, too. That practice can We still mean, haven't gotten to that question of what is practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we can only really touch on it here, but uh, one aspect is a very specific Buddhist understanding that this practice leads to enlightenment, mm-hmm. right? And uh, another is a more anthropological kind of general sense of practice as thing, cultural practices, for example. Right. Like um, watching everyone watching the Super Bowl on TV is a cultural practice. Um, that's very different than single-hearted recitation of the Nembutsu or just sitting, right? <laughs> like, it, they're, I think they're being used in different ways. And so we can talk about the practices of Jodo Shinshu and as an anthropologist go in and say, wow, they come in, they bow when they go in, they um, chant sutras, they sit and listen to Dharma messages, they, they clean the temple, they have a bazaar. But that isn't necessarily having anything to do with what Shinran meant by practice, and when he talks about this is or isn't a practice, he's rejecting everything as a practice, basically. 
I mean, so they, then the question, because even Nembutsu isn't our practice, right? And so, and I, I, I will not um, substitute listening to Dharma talks for Nembutsu. It's like, if there's <laughs> got to be one thing, it's reciting the name. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But even that isn't. And so to me, it becomes living. And, you know, I think we've mentioned this before. I think Suzuki, Daitetsu Suzuki, Daitetsu Suzuki, DT Suzuki is kind of known for having renamed the chapter on practice from the Kyogyo Shinshu as a chapter on living. Right. Right. And pointing this interesting way that the, the practice, the true hardcore practice of being a Shinshu Buddhist is living. And all that entails. Right. And yet it's not just, oh, I don't have to worry about anything. Right? Right, it's right. living, but in the context of temple stuff, of retreats, of learning, of sutra chanting, of listening to Dharma message, of, of, of interacting with people, uh, having discussions, right? reflecting on your life. Right? All of that is subsumed under this living. So it's not just a, a living. Um, it's not only just like, okay, great, so I don't have to do anything. Everything I do is it. Well, you know, it's in a Buddhist context. We haven't rejected the practice. Uh, I mean, the the institution. We haven't rejected what Buddhists have always done: chanting sutras, etc., etc., etc. But we've reinterpreted them. That that's not the point. That that's part of the picture, but not the whole picture. If that makes sense. I'm not satisfied. I want more. Okay. <laughs> How's this? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it relates. It relates to. Um, uh, the question we had too of, uh, you know, is there some kind of kit we could send to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, new, you know, a, a Buddhist group that isn't near a temple to right. set up a temple, right, or set up a dojo or set up a uh, a community, a community, right, right, right. And so these are questions we have to think about of of what we could recommend. You know, this is this kind of the stuff we could, you could do. You know? Yeah. See. Okay. Well, that, was, that was too much here. There's two. There's two big questions I have because okay. on the one hand. Uh, I, I totally I'm with you. I think that I, I, all of the stuff, the temple stuff, the learning, the sutra chanting, all of that stuff, I think is a, uh, the support. That's the support structure for how you live your life. The real practice is living your life. Like the, the real hardcore stuff is, is how you go about in the world. And then all the other ritual and all the other kind of stuff that we do that we sort of conveniently label practice isn't the real practice, but it's, it's supportive. And I don't think we should uh, dismiss it because it, without all of that stuff, it's really easy to get lost. It's really easy to get lost in the, the mundane day-to-day life of, of, of just being a human being. Um, but I also want to make sure that we talk about why living your life is the practice and why all this other stuff isn't your practice. I think it's important to, to remind us that you know what what it's this whole idea of the the self and 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 turning it beyond that there's something there's something hidden in there you know shin buddhism is often pure land buddhism is is, is decried by some other hardcore buddhists as the easy path mm-hmm. but to me it seems really really hard it seems really really hard because how do you get to this point where you're able to let go of the self and just live your life mm-hmm. as pure practice like without without doing anything but at the same time doing something like that's that's the hard part to me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the really difficult part and it's it seems very difficult to convey that to people but it also seems very difficult to do that because as you said before it's this this process of living your life and being reflective on that and interacting with people and and sort of in this constant dialogue with your own subjectivity and you know Mm -hmm. it's it's to me it's hard it's like every moment is hardcore Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And then, and then how do you make a kit out of that, for God's sakes? <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, yeah. We don't need that. <laughs> but I think that the, the idea of making a kit for, for people who are at a distance is really a really interesting question. And something that would like, be in there. Uh, yeah, totally fascinating. It's like you send project. them a box and they open, there's nothing. You're like, Ooh, oh, uh, <laughs> no. I get it. Well, no, I think that you could do so again. You know, if we if we go back to this this thing where you're saying that the temple and the chanting and the listening to the drama, if all that is supportive, then there must be a way to to uh, if if all of if all of the sort of institutional community stuff is supportive of living your life and living your life is real practice, then there must be some sort of way to like package in a kit <laughs> all of the other stuff, right? Like, you'd have to, but in the kit would have to be someone who has Shinji. <laughs> You open it up and this guy pops out. Very like, sm- pops little out. small person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shinjin. Because that's a big part of it too. It's not just living your life. It's living a life. Um, well, n- yeah. Yeah. I th- we said it last time that encountering someone that is on the path and that has had this transformative experience, I think is really important. That you can't put in the kit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Um, And so that is where community becomes important. uh, And that's where it becomes really ineffable and uh, vague. And it's like, right. But remember, remember also in a previous episode, you said that this is one of the powers of the internet. Mm-hmm. And we were joking that the internet is just a bunch of cat videos. But you, we also talked about how in times past, people were at a distance from Shinran and Renro. And the only way that they had any contact with them was via, was via writing. Mm-hmm. So you can come into contact with somebody without necessarily coming into contact with them physically. Yeah, but I think that a lot of times when people did write, that's an interesting point. And maybe I can go, that realizing that probably those people had met them. They did meet Renyo. They did uh, meet Shinra. Renyo did and then travel a lot. Yeah, when yeah, yeah, yeah. they were separated, then letters became the only way to communicate. Right, right. So I well, really so then, think. So then I think then the other thing to do is to, to sort of to, to think about this from a different point of view. It is to say, okay, let's assume that there's a community at a distance out there right now, and they want to set up a dojo in Nebraska or whatever, and you know there's no temple immediately near them. What can the pre-existing community do to support that? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that the pre-existing community can do is rather than trying to sort of co-opt the dojo would be to, you know, send out a minister. Mm-hmm. Like find a way for, you know, Renyo traveled all over Japan. Well, you know, you could travel all over America. Mm-hmm. I think no, you should. You. <laughs> all right, somebody we else We were doing could. that for a while. <laughs> Sensei, um, as part of Center for Buddhist Education, was uh, we were going out to Virginia right. and, you know, he and myself and others, you know, we would go and ministers from that area would come down. We'd have a, you know, East Coast meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at this point, it's still hard. Ideally, we would have one minister devoted entirely to Internet. Yeah, yeah We'd have yeah. one or two ministers devoted to traveling and, to and, the and hinterland. I, and, I wanna, and I want to be clear that I think that it's not necessarily that you should do it or that any one particular minister should do it because you know, then I'm kind of implying that ministers have Shinjin or that they've had some sort of transformative experience. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of ministers in the BCA who are amazing, wonderful, passionate, compassionate people that I know have had amazing transformative experiences. And there are also some ministers that are, you know, just in it for a paycheck, um, which is a reality of any institution. So I wouldn't necessarily assume that we could just, you know, you know, 
tap a minister and say, hey, go you know, off and do a drama talk and it would be a great experience. Um, but to be able to find those people who really are passionately committed to this kind of work and then support those people rather than necessarily forcing them into the sort of system that we have of you know ministers right. get, ministry. yeah, yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think from the other point of view, from the point of view of the dojo that's out in the middle of the hinterlands, as you said, um, you know, find a way to make a pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if if nobody comes to you, then, you know, you can certainly go to them, you know, if that's a possibility. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, I think that we just need to be creative about the way that we think about, you know, recognizing that, that the real hardcore practice is everyday life. And that just means you have to go out there and live your life. But then be creative about the ways that we support that. Be creative about the ways we do that institutionally and, you know, outside of the institution, you know, not just within the BCA temple system, which is valuable and has serves a purpose, but in these other kinds of ways as well. Yeah, and uh, so, uh, maybe it points to the importance of sangha and the importance of the human interaction. Um, but I think this is great. I think um, I'm excited. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking that the stuff that we've been talking about is um going to be a project that I'm going to recommend and hopefully not be the one that's working on it. <laughs> that's usually how it works, though. Harry and I are the big idea guys. Yeah, we're the idea guys. We want to make uh, we make sure that if somebody else takes care of the... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we do have Revenue Mezu, who was the head of CBE, is now Bishop of BCA yeah, as yeah. of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think he'd be open to, to hearing about some of this, and maybe this is something CBE can undertake. You know what we should do? What? We should interview him for our show. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Okay. Then we have all kinds of projects. Yeah. <laughs> And then we'll inundate him with projects. (laughs) 